Let's pray. Father, thank you. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your precious presence, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for one another. The Lord truly, he is God. Magnificent Saviour, we worship you. Amen. Four. <laughs> Four. That was good, wasn't it? Isn't God wonderful? Isn't he fantastic? Isn't God just so awesome? You know, my prayer has been this morning uh, that the on the day of Pentecost they spoke in many different tongues and yet all the different people heard and understood in their own language. And what I sense the Spirit was saying to me in my preparation was that there's little things which are going to be appropriate to folk. Uh, not the whole batch, but there's going to be little things. So listen out for that snippet, which is God's little present for you. So uh, just let's hear the Holy Spirit. I'm going to try and be brief because we're into miracles. And uh, then I'm going to ask Paul to turn off the, uh, turn off the recording because... Um, we must be sensitive to the fact that, you know, some people are going through it at the moment and uh, it'll be good to pray. It's going to be good to prophesy over people. It's going to, going to be good to pray for the sick and pray for people to get blessed. But we'll, we'll do that without, um, we'll do that, without uh, that being recorded. So we're going to come to 2 Peter 3. Fantastic. Uh, most of this scripture was in all the songs that we sang. David Orson, Joyce. Fantastic choice. So let's look at 2 Peter chapter 3. And uh, what we're going to do is just, just going to start by looking at verses 1 to uh, 14. And uh, interesting scripture, so just, just bear with me and listen out for the Lord speaking to you. Dear friends, what a great start. Dear friends. This is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your apostles. First of all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it, as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and with water. By water also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. 
Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed his coming. This day will bring about the destruction of the heavens and earth and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be spotless, blameless and at peace with him. We've been looking at Peter now, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, and taking little, little border raids into the life of Peter while he was on earth. And we've seen that Peter's character has been so impacted by the time that he spent with Jesus and in his relationship with other Christians. And he starts this word, he starts with this word, dear friends. That's not how Peter started his ministry. He was Mr. Man on his own. But now his heart is so changed, it's dear friends, dear friends. He understands that he needs his brothers and sisters. And if there's one thing that's been highlighted to me ever since we became part of this church, it is we need one another. We need to be together. The reason for that is in Ephesians 3, which I'll just read in this version, uh, it talks of, it's talking about Jesus. <laughs> where, where doesn't it in the Bible? <laughs> and... Uh, Here we go. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend, here it comes, with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you will be filled up with all the fullness of God. Some of the greatest experiences we're going to have in the presence of God is going to come when we're together. It's going to happen. We are going to be together. We we bring in the presence of God through love, through working out our relationships, through agreement, and when we love one another, we agree we're loving one another, we're serving one another, then there is a place for the anointing to come. What does it say in Psalm 133? It says, um, uh, what does it say in Psalm 133? (laughs) 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 It's very good. It's about the oil, isn't it? Yes, yes. Pours down on Aaron's beard on the corner of his robe. It's like, oh yes, how good and how pleasant it is. When brothers dwell together in unity, it is like the oil, the precious anointing oil that comes on Aaron's head, even down his beard to the corner of his robes. You know, there the Lord commands a blessing, life forevermore. Don't you want the Lord to command a blessing over us at Beacon, over us as churches together in Herne Bay? Life forevermore. So, but anyway, we'll return later to how Peter got challenged and changed. So, as I, as I say, we start here with dear friends, or the American standard says, we are beloved. You know, beloved. Folks, you're beloved. Just let that soak. Like that bit of sponge you put on the gelatine. It just... God loves you. God loves us. Isn't that good? <laughs> Peter reiterates that he's written these letters to stimulate wholesome thinking 
and encouraging us to remember the words that have been spoken by the prophets of old and by the apostles. You know, the word is so important. I know we, we keep banging on about this, but the word of God is so important. That is what we base our lives on, the truth of the word of God. And um, Psalm 1 talks about the word of God, which we've looked at before. And also Joshua. Remember Joshua? He's going to go into the land, and God says, and be strong, be very courageous. This book of the law, do not let it depart from your mouth, but meditate in it day and night, that your way may be prosperous and that you may have good success. As we meditate, as we chew, as we read the word, as we think about it when we're driving, when we're shopping, when we're walking, it builds us up, it gives us strength. And um, God can do great things for us when we're people of the word. talks about the apostles. We are, an, we are part of an apostolic sphere, a family of churches, and we get our teaching, we get our input and direction from the apostles. That is so, so very important. So let's be an apostolic church, let's hear the prophets, let's follow the apostolic doctrine, and let's be a people of the Spirit and a people of the Word. The verses 3 to 8 could spend hours on this, but basically Peter again is talking about man's arrogance, man's pride, and man's self-righteousness. And it blinds them to see God's mighty hand in creation. We, get, we sung about that this morning, didn't we? God's mighty hand in, in creation and the ultimate judgment. And Romans 1, again, we don't have time, but Romans 1, 18 to 32 explains so much about people's eyes have been blinded to see the wonder of God in this fantastic creation. I'd just like to read a bit from Psalm, 1, uh, Psalm 136, uh, verses 4 to 9. It's just fantastic. That's disappeared from my Bible as well. Man. It's probably because I'm using a paper one. Okay, Psalm 136. You kind of get the theme with this. It starts in verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his love endures forever. And then it says um, in verse 5, who by his understanding made the heavens, his love endures forever who spread out the earth upon the waters, for his love endures forever. He made the great lights, his love endures forever. The sun to govern the day, for his love endures forever. And the moon and stars to govern the night, for his love endures forever. This is our God, the one who made the heavens, as David was saying earlier. You know, you're watching that solar system program. We may not agree with all the theology, but just the pictures and the vastness of it, how great is our God. Woo-hoo. Fantastic. Verse 4, well, where is the Lord's coming? Do you get that sometimes? You're stepping out in faith, a little whisper comes in, where's the Lord's coming in? Don't see it happening. Don't see it happening. Stepped out in faith, have you? <sighs> Wasn't a very good idea. Well, I've got good news, because the Bible deals with that one. It talks in verse 8 and verse 9 about our wonderful God. He's not restricted by time, as we saw this morning. He keeps his promises. God is faithful. He keeps his promises. And he is patient. He is a God of time. Bob was praying that yesterday morning. He is a God of time. He's a God of seasons. We really need to understand that very important area. Verse 9. Well, here we go again. (sighs) Time for repentance. 
It's time to repent. He said with a big smile. Now we looked at judgment and we were told 1 Peter 4.17, there are notes by the way, we'll hand out at the end, talked about judgment beginning with the household of God. And again, Peter is urging people to repent. He wants people to repent because God loves us and he wants to restore us to a relationship with him. We can't get close to God except through Jesus. He's the only way that we can get close to God. Only through Jesus' blood. Jesus' sacrifice is very old-fashioned, but it's true. His blood and his sacrifice is the only way we can come to know God, and then we can know God as our Father. (sighs) Verse 10 again. It's going to happen suddenly. The end's going to come. Bang, suddenly. Therefore, I suggest that we do business with the Lord now. (laughs) Remember, Peter's writing to Christians. Okay? These are Christians that are scattered, they're persecuted, they're having a hard time. Now, if I'd been Peter, I would have written a letter saying, you know, God really loves you, he's going to look after you, and if they knock on the door, pretend you're not in and they care for you. No, he's, he's giving them truth. You're persecuted, you're scattered. But guys, be right before God. Be in a place of repentance, be in a place of openness before God. He, he just cuts to what's so important. My emotions would focus on the Roman soldiers knocking on the doors, but he's saying, no. Deal with the stuff in your heart. He urges them to get right with God. You know, if, if they were doing fine, it wouldn't be in the book. <laughs> Would it? It wouldn't be in there. We don't currently suffer that kind of persecution. The kind of persecution we suffer is a wearing down of the saints, a washing away, a niggling away at what we stand for, as well as the other stuff. But in all of that, yes, we can be worn down, we can be challenged, but in all that, let's keep our relationship with God as, as clear as we're able. If we fall, let's come quickly back to him and be restored to him. Verse 11, well, here we go. <laughs> I could have dug out lots of theological books on this one. Either way, the end's coming. Destruction, that's it. And Peter, in his writing, is just, again, urgently saying, look, guys, this is going to happen, but because it's going to happen, look at your lifestyle, look at your actions, look at your attitude. Let's not dream about the sweet by and by. (laughs) Let's dream about being real and holy and blameless. Some folks, I'm sure we've all met them, I could honestly say not in this church. I want to spend hours debating about the end times. And we used to get this in the 70s with, well, it's the nuclear holocaust and that's the melting. We had all this stuff. Do you remember that in the 70s? Us and the, oh, yeah, we had all of that stuff. Um, the Bible tells us it's going to happen. But it's our response to work out what kind of people we should be now. That is the point that Peter is making. He says, he says in here, since everything will be destroyed in this way, in verse 11, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of the Lord and speed its coming. So by living holy and uh, blameless lives, arguably, maybe that will speed his coming. I don't know. But it's, it's an interesting thought. Anyone remember that song in the 70s? I wish we'd all been ready. Do you remember that? 
Two people lie in bed, one disappears, the other falls on their head, or whatever it was. And we had this song, and as a, you know, I sat there in my crusader class as a sort of 12-year-old, terrified that I was going to be left behind, you know, because, you know, I'd, I'd coveted a, a curly-whirly in the shop the day before, or, or said to my brother, Neh. and And it brought in fear. It brought in fear. Now, I know one person that got saved through that song, so I've got to be careful. But it's, yes, it is about judgment. Yes, it is about choices. But also, this is the truth now. This is before. God is saying, now is the opportunity to come. Now is the opportunity to come into relationship with me. Now is an opportunity to know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. Then you won't have to worry about being left behind. Or as they said in the Simpsons, left below. (laughs) Today, 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 whether you've been a Christian for many years or whether you're interested or finding out whatever, today you can have peace with God. That's an amazing thing. You can meet and you can do business with Jesus. It's the whole point of the book, as I said, to restore us to this wonderful God who made us and loves us. He wants us to be restored, restored in our relationship. Verse 14. Again, so then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with him. God, Peter doesn't go bang on about this, doesn't he? It's a bit annoying after a while, doesn't he? He keeps banging on about it. Be found spotless. Be found blameless. Be at peace with him. We can only do that through Jesus. I can't do that in my own strength. I genuinely can't. But as we stay in our relationship with Jesus, as we stay in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, whatever that means, When we walk with him, the, 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 the quote that John gave from John Piper has, has had a, a real impact on my life. About when he talked about sin, you know, we sin because our love for God just doesn't fulfill us enough. That's kind of a, that's had an impact. Now, it hasn't worked 100%, you know, hands up, but it's had an impact on me. You know, I want to sneak into the shop and, you know, nick a bottle of vodka because actually that my fulfillment of God isn't enough and that vodka will fulfill it, you know or whatever your won't is. <laughs> Not a word of knowledge there, was it, John? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, sometimes, you sometimes we don't feel at peace, do we? There could be a lot of reasons, you know, there's pressure in the family or stuff's going on, busyness, financial concerns or whatever. Sometimes we're not at peace because we're not in relationship with our brothers and sisters. Maybe it's time to consider, for me to consider, before the Lord, whether I am spotless and blameless and at peace with my brothers and sisters. Wow. Heavy stuff, isn't it? That's why we need his grace. That's why we need the blood of Jesus. That's why we need so much more of the Holy Spirit of God. I'm going to read now verses 14 to 18. So... I beg your pardon, 15. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him, he writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, 
Since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. A lot of this which Steve covered last week. Verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. I have to be true to myself. This is, this is the part that I feel has really been highlighted to me, and I sense that this is a very important thing to share. Um, Peter says something quite remarkable here. Quite remarkable. He says in verse 15, he says, Our dear brother Paul. That might not mean, that might not mean much to you. But let me just read, let, I'll read it to you and save looking it up. Let me read to you Galatians 2. And uh, we'll see how dear this brother was, shall we? So Galatians 2, verse 11 says, But when Peter came to Antioch, I, Paul, opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews joined him in the hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter, wait for it, in the presence of all, if you, being a Jew, live like a Gentile, but not like a Jew, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? Don't worry about the Jew-Gentile thing. Get this key thing. Paul came in and he absolutely caned Peter. In his, on his turf, in his location. Whew. And yet here is Peter calling him my dear brother Paul. Lord God, you have got to do a lot with my heart for me to be able to deal with something like that. The choice is clear. Resentment or relationship. I struggled. What should I call today's word? And in the end I thought, I'm going to, I'm going to be true. I'm going to call it resentment or relationship. Because as Steve said last week, you know, we don't just want the cosy things. And well, I'll just stay with the cosy things. Sometimes, oh God, I've got to get before you. And look at the tough stuff. Resentment or relationship. It's heavy stuff. But let's, let's say... This just wasn't a bit of tension between Paul and Peter. This was heavy stuff. This was a major theological punch-up. Peter was in error, but Paul came in with all guns blazing. Now, we talk about pastors in the church. They're always nice, aren't they? They're, they're the cuddly one. The, you know, the prophets, they're a bit irritating. You know, they, they get it right sometimes, and they're a bit annoying sometimes. But the pastors, they put their arm around you. Well... Here's a, here's a thought for pastors. Maybe say it straight sometimes. As someone that's been on the receiving end of the saying it straight, I can tell you it's immensely painful. When 25, 26 years ago, I was pushed up against a wall and the guy who loved me dearly put his finger in my face and he just said some stuff. Now, maybe it wasn't completely the anointing, but I tell you, I needed to hear it. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> You see, when, when you have an I'll go off my notes now. When you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, you experience power. When you experience power, you think you've got something. You haven't. 
It's a gift. And, and because the power, with the power, then becomes self-righteousness and arrogance comes in. And then someone comes along and they start picking you up. You go, yes, but I prayed for that person. Their leg grew two inches. Yeah, but your life ain't right, mate. Well, you can't say that. I've got a ministry. We have to, I know we, we, we're aware of this. We've had so much teaching on this, but gifting is a gift. Gifting is no reflection of character. <laughs> gifting is a gift. Now, Paul and so here comes Paul, all guns blazing. Now, let's remember Peter had been walking with Jesus, hadn't he, for three and a half years. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. <laughs> I mean, he hadn't done too bad, had he? But he lived those lives in front of the other disciples. He lived those lives in front of the other followers of Jesus. They had seen his flaws. They had seen his weaknesses. And Peter, I think, was hoping that now after probably, what, 17, 18 years, he was getting to a point of kind of maturity. Ha, ha. Peter, despite his shortcomings, besides the the stuff that he carried, was still the key leader that Jesus chose for the release of the Holy Spirit to build the church. And yet Peter is writing these two letters out of that honed experience. He now loves the brethren. He's now showing his father's heart, his compassion and his concern for this growing body of Christ. It shows how much the Holy Spirit had worked on Peter. Shows how much the Holy Spirit had worked on Peter. And that Peter's security now was not in his role or his calling or his status or the miracles. His status was only in Jesus. That is a lesson I have to continually learn and I think some of us have to continually be aware of. Other gifted people were no longer a threat. Gifted people were not a threat to Peter. He had come the full circle. He now saw the bigger picture. It's about Jesus. It's about the body of Christ growing. Peter would have heard of Paul. He would have heard of him. He would have known him as a former persecutor of the church and even, wait for it, a murderer. He knew Paul had had an encounter with Jesus, as we know in Acts 9. Um, And then he disappeared off the scene probably for about 14 years, some say 11, maybe 14 years, some would say he went into the wilderness and he just spent time with God. Well, sounds fun (laughs) and tough. But then in Galatians 2, Paul turns up. If you read the beginning of Galatians 2, you'll see that Paul is preaching a lot about error and so forth. I was going to say like Steve did last week, that wouldn't have come out right, would it? (laughs) But teaching about the warnings of false teaching and the warnings of error, as Steve was teaching us last week correctly. And, and, and the beginning of Galatians is the same as Peter's too. Very interesting. So the, both the guys, they're both on message here. They're both on message. But then Paul, he has never physically walked with Jesus. He starts correcting Peter in front of everybody. How threatened would Peter have felt at that point? I would just... Just, it's hard enough one-on-one, isn't it? I mean, it's hard enough doing, oh, Lord, no, I'm sorry, yes, uh, you're right. How did Peter cope with that? I just think it's immense. And here he is calling him our dear brother. Peter and Paul, they were both called by Jesus, but they were so different. Paul was articulate and well-read. He was out of my league straight away. <coughs> Peter was a simple fisherman. 
or a businessman, depending on how you want to look at it. <coughs> Paul was a Pharisee, an expert in the legalistic law, but Peter had preached and seen thousands saved. There's this guy, <laughs> legalistic, everything that we're against, and here's me, 8,000 saved in two days. Hey, thank you. Peter had raised people from the dead. Paul had looked after people's clothes while they murdered Christians. It's in there. In the book of Acts. I nearly went into another language, yeah? <laughs> this is what, this is what, do you find sometimes in the church, think, but that person, dot, 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 dot. Let God work on our hearts. Let's allow God to work on our hearts. Key thing, Galatians 2, Paul was right. What he said was right. And Peter's ultimate response to that was, our dear brother. Think back, maybe some that hurt you in church years ago. Could you say of them now, my dear brother, our, our dear brother, our Peter knew he was something, part of something bigger. He understood, and oh Lord, it's something you're trying to teach me. Obedience to Jesus is so much more important than how it looks. It really is. Peter had started to understand that Jesus chose different people with different styles and different personalities and characteristics. They never questioned one another's gifting. Never questioned that. They just had to iron out and sort out the theology and that argument. I believe it's the same for us today. Oh, my goodness. Um, I was going to say with every head bowed and every eye. Has anyone ever come across another Christian that they found a bit difficult? If, if, if you're struggling to answer the question, just look to the front, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to be very disciplined and not tell any stories because it might sort of big me up. But we have, and, and, you know, and I know of, of others in this room who've had real struggles with other Christians. And it does, it does it rip you inside? Does it really hurt? Does it just make you... And go, God, I do love you and, and you are wonderful. And Lord, I'm just going to be calm about it and I'm going to let it go. I see my strangled. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah. And and you notice that they're always wrong as well. Have you noticed that? <laughs> it's always them, isn't it? <laughs> so difficult. And I'm sure we could all sit down and, and tell stories, but in the end, the Lord's after my heart, He's after our heart, and there's still more work to do. I'll blow. <laughs> you know, these difficult people that I've come across in the past, in the end they reveal my heart, they reveal the selfishness in me, they reveal the defence mechanisms within me. And God just wants that out. Because as we get rid of that, we're freer. You know, more love. We can fly. <laughs> he can do more with a clean vessel and a, and a vessel to get just the, the whole thing about the potter again this morning. I don't want to go off my notes, but just again the potter. 
You know, the pot can't say to the potter, Oi! <laughs> no. <laughs> He's the potter. We are the clay. End of story. We're also co-workers with him, and he's in us. <laughs> Work that one out. So we may struggle with other Christians, especially Christians in leadership, I would say, over the years. You know, you can bash up against them, but in the end, let's our heart be right before God. If we need to resolve things, then let's do that without necessarily having to beat ourselves up and get things restored and move on. Might be heavy about that. You know, I... I know I preach and don't always find the old reading side easy. I do my notes and there's commas and full stops probably in the wrong place because English isn't my strongest point. But if you see that, go, oh, look at Julian. He's used a semicolon after the word thou and you should never do that. Well, okay, I'm sorry. But don't let that, wind, don't let that about me wind you up. <laughs> um, because silly little things like that can, can just harm our relationship with the Lord. So, deep breath. How does that apply to us in Beacon today? Well, here's a few questions. These are not cell questions, okay? I've underlined not cell questions. Here's some questions for me to chat to the Holy Spirit about. These are questions for me to sit down with a cup of coffee or sit on the beach or walk the dog and just talk to Jesus about. Number one, with every head bowed and every eye closed, am I in a clear, loving relationship with everyone in this church? Am I clear with everybody? Do I hold any resentment against a fellow Christian, whether here or in a church in the past? Just leave that. So have a little look around, I was going to say, but uh, no. Someone once said to me, well, I know that person in the church doesn't like me, but that's their problem. You lend your cars to other Christians, they smash them up and they lie and fiddle the insurance and, you know, we've been there. Really difficult, really difficult. But in the end, it reveals what's in our heart, doesn't it? Just bless you. Yeah. May the Lord bless you. You carry on saying that to me, but may the Lord bless you and Father, help my heart stay right. It really isn't easy, okay? Not come to the front, fall over and you'll be better from it. It's really tough, Okay. There's no, there's no shortcut. Third question, does my relationship with Jesus sustain me in all things? question I've been asking myself recently. Um, mostly, yes, but sometimes, if I'm honest, no. I need to work on that. Jesus sustained me in all things, in all areas. And me, Julian, how do I need to adjust my behaviour so as not to cause my brothers and sisters to struggle with me? So if I came in this morning and I was just wearing my swimming shorts and hello, haha, I'm making a point, you know, that would it would you know it would offend people. <laughs> Especially the tiger tattoo on the back, you know. <laughs> Love, hate. But that's about being sensitive to one another. <laughs> you know, in, in the past, I, I'm I'm quite a funny kind of guy in many ways. <laughs> but I used to use humour really quite inappropriately many years ago. So occasionally it slips through now. And I have to learn, I have to learn to, to, to temper that because that can cause other people a problem. So I have to try and I have to learn to be sensitive. C.S. <coughs> Lewis, at last a quote from someone with some integrity. <laughs> C.S. Lewis said, 
To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because Jesus forgave the inexcusable in me. I was anti-God, born sin, lost, and he forgave me. It's time, again, sadly, (laughs) to return to God's wonderful operating table. Remember that song, Change My Heart, O God, Make Me Ever New, Change My Heart, O God, May I Be More Like You. John Wimber's song, wasn't it? (sighs) Wow. But be encouraged. Let's be encouraged because Peter made it. He passed the test. He got there. His heart was love. His heart was compassion for the body. He cared for his brothers and sisters. And the same can be true for us. For Peter, the reality of God's power was never the issue. He knew the dead could be raised. It was never the issue. Yet for Jesus, Peter's character to possess that power was always his goal. And he got there. Next week, I want to hear a big amen on this. No no manipulation, big amen on this. Next week... People are going to get saved. Amen. Amen. Yes, yes, yes. They're going to start coming to our churches. Amen. They will see by our love (laughs) whether we love him. When we first came to Beacon and we just sat at the back, you know, good people, John and David, hello, have a biscuit. I thought, that's a nice church. (laughs) I'll be honest, guys, you could see people that weren't in relationship. When people come in new to visit, they can see. And then you become deadened over the years and you get into your kind of section. You could, not as in people fighting, but there wasn't really just that sort of that real kind of high. Let's just work on, on relating to folks maybe we don't quite um, know so well. Let's, let's, be, let's be one. Let's be one. Finally, Peter's last words, the last words that, that are recorded him saying, it's so precious. He knows that he's going to die. It's a terrible thing. He knew he'd get old, which we covered last time. He said, he said after this, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Peter starts the book of 2 Peter twice declaring Jesus. He finishes his letter talking about Jesus. Is there a pattern there somewhere? Yes, it's all about Jesus. He encourages us to grow in the grace of Jesus, being part of an apostolic foundation. Sorry, that's part of our apostolic foundation, the grace. Read Terry Virgo's book, you know, about grace. If you've got computer thingy, look at his blogs and Twitters. Grace, grace is part of the foundation of this church. I couldn't stand if it wasn't for the grace of God. Who could? So he encourages us to grow in the grace of Jesus. He encourages us to grow in our knowledge of Jesus. We do that through fellowship, through reading the word. He encourages us to know Jesus' lordship, crucial. And he encourages us to know Jesus as saviour. Psalm 143, verse 8 in the Revised English Bible says this. says, In the morning... Let me know your love, for I trust in you. Show me the way I must take, for my heart is set on you. As we used to say in the the old church, hallelujah, what a saviour.
we, we, we thank God. Thank God for his word. Paul, can you now switch me off? Bless you if you're listening to this, just so we can pray for folks.